Good morning. Our reading today is taken from John 4, verses 5 to 26, and it's going to come up on the screens. So he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the water and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Today, I want to share on one of the greatest conversations of all time. Because ultimately to me, a great life is full of great conversations. You never forget when you've had a great chat. You feel energized, refreshed, encouraged, challenged, and inspired. You feel seen. You feel connected. You feel ready to face the world. You never forget how someone makes you feel. If there was someone that I would want to have a conversation with today, it would be with my dad. My dad passed away five years ago quite suddenly. But if my dad was still here today, I would want to ask him what he thought about our current global pandemic. I think I would ask him about what he thought about the current state of American and British politics. And mostly I would probably ask him about what he thought was going on in Hong Kong right now. But actually, if there was something I wanted to ask him, I would want to ask him what he thought about my decision to leave my career in law and to become an ordained priest in the Church of England. Shall we say it's not really a traditional Chinese pathway? Maybe after everything we've been through in the past 15 months, 
and will never take it for granted again how important it is to have real, in-person, authentic, one-to-one -one conversations. I'm a little bit slow to the party, and I know that everyone in the room has already heard about this, but I only recently heard about an app called Clubhouse. It's an exclusive app, so you need an invite before you could even get on the app. But this is an app that you can join, and you get to listen in on other people's conversations. You just go on the app, you type in the subject or the topic, and the app will find you conversations between two people that you can listen in on. This app has over 10 million active users. It's currently valued at $1 billion, and I checked. It's number 23 in the App Store under the category of social networking. And I find this fascinating because I think as people, we're kind of interested in other people's conversations. We like to listen in. I think maybe I'm just a bit nosy. But today, our passage in John 4, 5 to 26, is the longest recorded one-to-one -one conversation that Jesus has with another person in the New Testament. So I would argue that it is probably the greatest conversation of all time. And as we listen in on this conversation, I think we have a lot to learn, both about God and about ourselves. As we listen in to this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, we will discover what we were really created for. If this conversation was on the Clubhouse app, I think if you put in the search for the word freedom, this conversation would come up. Because I think this conversation is about freedom from your past, freedom for the present, and freedom for the future. So what does this conversation with Jesus tell us about true freedom? Well, freedom is connected to worship. If you want to understand what it means to be free, you have to understand what you were created for. And you were created to worship. You were created to have a living, dynamic, real personal relationship with the living God. And if you don't worship God, that doesn't mean you stop worshipping. It just means you worship other things. It's part of our human nature that our lives are always leaning towards a particular direction. You become what you behold. You look to other things to define you, to affirm you, and to give you your sense of self-worth. For many years... I thought that if I could just be a little bit prettier or a little bit skinnier or a little bit smarter or a little bit more successful, if I could just find myself in all the right social circles, if I could be a little bit more affluent, then I would experience true freedom. Then I would experience true self-worth and greater purpose in life. But those things can never become definitive because if you worship those things, those things will only enslave you and leave you even more empty and insecure. If your identity is built on your relationship or your job or money or your status, you have a deeply fragile identity. All it takes is for one of those things to be shaken and your whole life can come tumbling down. I used to live in New York City and I would say, I fell in love there once, and it was an epic romance, in my humble opinion. 
But over time in this relationship, I started to make my life about this person. They were the most important person to me in my life. And we'd even talked about getting married. So when this relationship ended very abruptly, I was quite heartbroken. In fact, my dad had to fly out to New York City to make sure that I was okay. And as I reflect back on this period, looking back now, I realized that there was just no freedom, that I'd been looking to this relationship to define me, to give me my sense of identity and worth, and it was just never meant to be that. True freedom can only be found in a relationship with God. And the greatest revelation of who God is, is found in the person of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you can experience freedom from your past. Jesus is speaking to the woman who has been worshipping other things, looking to something or someone else to define her, to meet her deepest need. They start off having this conversation about water, and there's so many levels and layers to it. I don't know about you, but I don't like initiating conversations. I find it really uncomfortable. And I think that's because once you initiate, you can always be rejected. Jesus knows exactly who this woman is. He knows exactly where she's going to be. And he knows exactly everything in her past. And he goes to find her. He knows that she's avoiding people. She goes to the well at the hottest time of the day. And no one would do that because they'd probably get heat stroke. He knows that she is a complete social and moral outsider. There is stuff in her past. Her life is kind of messy. No one wants anything to do with her. And at that time, Jesus was not only not meant to touch anything that she touched, but she is an outsider. She is a Samaritan woman. So the fact that he's willing to talk to her, he's willing to touch something that she gives him, is completely socially unacceptable. Others would have looked at Jesus and this woman and thought that Jesus was putting himself at risk, risk of impurity, risk of gossip, risk of rumours of immorality. And do you know what Jesus does? Because I absolutely love it. Jesus still goes and talks to her. He reaches out and initiates a conversation with this woman. He says, will you give me a drink? This woman's past doesn't stop Jesus talking to her. Everyone has a past the last time I checked. Everyone has a history. No one is perfect. Everyone has made mistakes. Maybe you feel like you need to get your life in order before Jesus would ever want to talk to you. Maybe there's so much mess in your life that you don't think Jesus wants anything to do with you. Or that couldn't be further from the truth. This point in the conversation right here, the opener, the fact that Jesus initiates, this tells us that, is that our past is not too much for Jesus. We can experience freedom from our past. That God moves towards us before we do anything. That it has always been about his grace. Our past does not preclude us from connecting with Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can experience freedom in the present, right here, right now. The woman responds by telling Jesus, he's not meant to be talking to her. People like you aren't meant to be talking to people like me. 
She's probably thinking, why are you talking to me? You can almost hear the skepticism in her voice. I don't know what the exact backstory is in this woman's life, but maybe she's experienced so much rejection and disappointment. Her initial response is to be defensive and guarded. Maybe she's been hurt so many times before. She's lost hope that anyone actually cares about her, that anyone is interested in her life, and that anyone cares about her future. This week, I called Nikki and Scylla Lee, pioneers of the marriage course here at HTB, and who have worked with couples for over 40 years on their relationships and marriages. And I asked them both what they thought was the most common reason why people struggle to have honest conversations. And they shared with me that one of the main reasons was really around fear. A fear that the other person would reject them if they shared what they really thought. Or a fear that the other person would use what they shared against them, which results in a lack of trust and vulnerability. Or fear that when they share what they honestly think, this will lead to conflict and some people just have no model for resolving conflict constructively. It is fear that stops people from having honest conversations. Perhaps during the initial stages of this conversation with Jesus, the Samaritan woman is feeling exposed and fearful. But as they converse, something beautiful starts to happen because Jesus doesn't reject her. Jesus develops trust. Jesus is unafraid to speak to her honestly and truthfully. Jesus sees her and treats her as a person, not as an object to be used and manipulated, not as a piece of property, which was how women were viewed at that time. Jesus is not dismissive. He doesn't belittle her. He engages with her and he listens to her. In fact, Jesus engages in theological dialogue with this woman, and that was a space that was only occupied by men at the time. Can you imagine how radical that was? The Son of God is conversing with a woman and an outsider about the source of identity, about the meaning of life, about the place of worship, and they are having an honest and real one-to-one -one conversation. Jesus is breaking down the gender, racial, social, and cultural divides in this conversation, and I love it. We would be naive to think that the objectification of women isn't still happening over 2,000 years later. For years, and I know I'm not alone in this, the way I saw myself, the way I assessed my sense of worth was through the eyes of a man. It was whether I felt I was physically attractive enough to somebody else. And in this conversation, Jesus knows that the woman has been looking to men to meet her deepest need. And he's saying that a romantic relationship with a man will never be able to quench your deepest thirst. There is a thirst for something spiritual which cannot be fulfilled by the physical. You cannot look to a person to give you what only God can give you. No human relationship can withstand the pressures and expectations to be the basis of another person's identity. That's not to say that human relationships aren't good, because they are, but they can never be definitive. Because of Jesus, we can experience freedom and hope for the future.
What I love most about this conversation is that Jesus not only knows this woman's past about the source of this woman's identity, but he chooses to reveal his identity to her. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus reveals at the end of the conversation with the woman that he is the one who's been sent to be our savior and to explain everything to us. Jesus is not just a great conversationalist. He is our savior. He is our Lord. He is our redeemer. And he is our friend. The theological discussion around temples and mountains is all about worship. It's all about where God was physically present. Where was the right place of worship? How could people come into God's presence? The only way to come into God's presence at that time was through temple sacrifice because the distance between us and God was so far, caused by our decision to turn to other things to define us to worship created things as opposed to our creator. But Jesus brings the presence of God to us. He moves towards us. The reason that this conversation is even possible is because Jesus pays the price to close the gap. He goes to the cross to bring us back into God's presence. Jesus pays the price for our freedom. He was bound so that we might be free. He experienced thirst and separation from God so that we could be spiritually fresh, refreshed and brought back into the presence of God to have access, to have relationship, to have a connection with God. We are no longer confined by the physical in our experience of God's presence today. Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Later on in John's gospel, Jesus says, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away, because unless I go away, the advocate, i.e. the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. We have been given the Holy Spirit, this living water who fills us, refreshes us, and flows from within us, welling up to eternal life. We can experience the presence of God today through the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mike Pilavachi, a pastor of Soul Survivor Church, once came to HTB. And during a time of ministry, he stood right here and he shared that there was someone in the room who had experienced three significant losses. The first was a bereavement, a major bereavement, followed by two failed romantic relationships and that Jesus wanted to heal this person today. And as I sat there in the room, I knew that that person was me. And I thought to myself, how does he know? How does he know all this stuff about my past? And he could only know if God knew. And as I stepped forward to respond to that word, I encountered the Holy Spirit in a way in which I find it really difficult to describe with words. But I experienced God's love. I experienced God's power. I experienced deep healing. And when that was happening to me, Silla Lee 
was standing next to me and she read out the words of John 4, this exact passage that I'm reading to you today. And she said that streams of living water were being poured out, that a line was being drawn in the sand, that God was removing and healing all of the pain, that everything was behind me and that this was the start of a new season. God knows everything you've been through. He cares about your life. He cares about what's happened to you. He cares about your future and he longs to heal you. It is always the intention of Jesus to heal, to love, to be with you in your moment of vulnerability. You are not defined by your relationship status. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your income bracket. You are not defined by your weight on the scale. You are not defined by your education. You are not defined by your accent. You are not defined by the way that you look. You are defined primarily as one who is loved by God, who gave his son to die for you. And it is in his love that you will find true freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um.